Contenders, ready! Gladiators, ready! Three, two, one! The Gladiators! Hello and welcome to the GladPod in association with Gladiators TV. I'm Dynamite and joining me this week is Jet and the Oracle. Paul, that's the name I've given myself, Dynamite. Please tell me that I'm the only Dynamite Gladiator. No, sadly not. Sadly not. Dynamite is actually a really well-known international gladiator from Russia. So I think you need to think of something else, David. What a nightmare. I've spent all week thinking up a name and I've had like a long list. I wanted it to be beginning with D and Dynamite, I thought it was going to be the one, but no. Thank you for all your emails in about your own names and theme songs. I think we might have to do like a special one-off episode with just some of those because some of those were just brilliant, frankly. But diving into the mailbag and this letter caught my eye from Tom Grant. And it will lead me on to a question for you, Di, as well. So he was born after the original series was aired. So he was in primary school when the Sky One version came out and he would reenact in in a safe manner, he adds, many of the events with his friends in his back garden and even getting the inflatable dual pugil sticks one Christmas as a present. Do you get, Di, a lot of people getting in touch with you now that weren't even alive for the original series? I don't know if they, they get in touch because I'm not very big on social media, as many people may know, but I do get sons and daughters occasionally messaging going, oh my God, my dad sat me down. We watched this amazing show called Gladiators. I wasn't born then, but how lovely to be introduced to this show all these years later. And and that, that's thrilling, really, because, you know, coming up, what, 30 years, and it's, it was a time, a place, and a happening, but there's something ageless about the show. And if it can bring a whole new generation of people in watching afresh, and it just goes to show, and I, I think I've mentioned it before a couple of times, about the quality of the production from lighting design to the way it was, like, multi-camera directed. And it just made us all look so good, really. <laughs> but it was a massive team effort. And for that to translate onto today's television, I think is awesome. I think it's a real sort of glad- gladiatorial thing to say, isn't it? I think it was awesome, but it's still, still fresh and awesome for for new people coming in I think I think yeah I think that says everything really because he goes on to say and this this blows my mind as well so a seven-year-old he thought there wasn't much more in gladiators universe other than what was from sky one and like tempest and oblivion were like the big gladiators and just imagine that this seven-year-old suddenly discovering wolf you know wolf came obviously later on in in the revival series but then he must have been like hang on a minute this bloke what is his background and he's obviously he's obviously looked into it and he stumbled across challenge and he discovered that they would air episodes every saturday morning so he'd get up at seven ready for to like reminisce with it well not reminisce ready to watch with fresh eyes for the first time these classic gladiators episodes before heading to swimming training at uh, nine o'clock and i think we've discovered that quite a lot since we've done the podcast and actually particularly with the time we've been in recently where people have been more at home and they've been able to just sort of indulge with things that perhaps they haven't done previously with tvs and having smart tvs that you can watch youtube on suddenly there's this whole new wave of people and i know we've had a lot of messages from people that have said i've just watched gladiators for the first time you know I wasn't around when it's first shown and now I'm getting to watch it and I've just I've watched this episode and and I've just listened to the podcast and Hunter was talking about that and you think that is mad some 30 years on from that particular moment that Hunter's talking about that somebody's only just watched it for the very
very first time. I just it just blows my mind. I think it's a show that's just aged so well. Like you could look at some of the events like Polax and, and Pendulum now, and it just looks like as if it would so fit on TV nowadays. I think the only thing that may slightly age it is some of the hairstyles. Aside from that, I think and and perhaps some of the of Ulrika's outfits or John Fashionu's kind of waistcoats, but the actual action itself is something that probably they couldn't do on TV nowadays. So probably is just so enthralling to that generation that haven't seen it before, really. No, I agree. And I guess to an extent, I know you, you probably just, you hinted at it a bit earlier as well, Di, but do you think that original Gladiators run, is it timeless? I think so. I mean, I'm not biased, am I? But I think, as, as you said, other than hairstyles, I think you could easily transplant it onto today's viewing. It would just get such a great following again. I think quite cultish, really. And, and uh, there's something kind of precious about it because, as you're saying, we, you wouldn't get the rights to actually film it from scratch today because of health and safety. As sure as egg, eggs is eggs, it's not something that we could ever do because of be way too strict. The, the events would have to be so modified, they'd lose that edge. So I think if they were to rerun, you're not just on challenge, but rerun what we were doing, they'd probably have to look at the look at the colouring because obviously you can see when something was, because it was filmed on film, wasn't it? Rather than digital. They'd probably have to tweak it a little bit to sharpen it up a bit. But as I've said, I think Brian Pierce's lighting design, I just love it because it, they just made us look so fresh and so good and it would translate really well today and people are probably quite shocked with what they see because they think god that's not allowed is it is that person really hurt for the record yes <laughs> everybody really hurt <laughs> what i also liked about this letter was that this podcast has been taking him back to being age 10 again and his birthday and his gran made him a cake in the shape of the, you know, the, the iconic Gladiator's G. Paul, did you have any Gladiator-inspired cakes? Do you know what? I didn't. And I'm really jealous now. And I don't know why somebody in my family hasn't ever made me a Gladiator's G cake before. Hunter did have one one year that I saw on Instagram where somebody had created him out of fondant and stuff like that, holding a pugil stick, which is a pretty epic birthday cake. But no, I've never had one myself, which is really bad. Yeah, I don't know how that's happened. Diet any gladiator inspired cakes for you or anything that someone's made that's been edible I think a little bit like what you're mentioning there, Paul, with, with James having a, a fondant-shaped version of yourself for my... It was a big four-zero for that birthday. I'd had a cake made for me, and there was sort of me as Jet and a stack of books because I was then training, retraining as a psychotherapist, and a couple of other things. But yeah, it was this sort of mini fondant Jet on this huge cake. I was very appreciative of it. Yeah, it's, it's a little work of art. I've got a picture of it somewhere. I didn't eat me, and I can't remember if anybody did or whether I kept it and put it in a box somewhere, probably. You'll have to dig that picture. And actually, any of you listening, have you had any birthday cakes or anything made for you that was edible or was something that you couldn't buy that was gladiators inspired i think that would be it'd be great if you could email those in so um gladpod at gladiators tv.com or you can share the pictures with us and gladiators tv on facebook twitter and instagram tom ends his note to us about how much he would love to hear from flame because she was the only ginger gladiator that he can recall which was maybe more the reason he took such a liking to her as they had something in common and actually once again that just shows you how the casting of gladiators particularly in those early stages was so important because in the nicest possible way they wanted to make sure that they represented everyone and actually, you know, having someone with ginger hair probably would have helped 
people like Tom warm to her. So yeah, Flame was in series one and I'm sure I've heard a story of where she actually wasn't ginger and that when she was taken on board, the producers dyed her hair to be obviously representing Flame and stuff. I'm sure I've heard one of the other gladiators mention that previously. Di, do you know anything about that? No, sadly I don't, but it's a nice story. I just remember her being well above six foot. A nice athlete, actually, potentially a really good lad had you been given more time to to really embrace the events and find literally those very long legs and feet on the events and and find what her strengths would have been but yeah i remember it's a very very beautiful auburn red hair i can't remember whether they did because i know she she is blonde isn't she to this day whether it was something the producers had asked her to do i can't remember it would make sense though it would make sense we should definitely get her on the glad pod to find this out definitely there'll be one way of resolving that first question we will go against our usual train of questioning dying rather than asking about what it was like before they were gladiators and getting that glad call we just go straight in with the was your hair dye ginger guys thank you so much again for all of the emails that you're sending in to us it's great to just read so many of them please do continue to share your glad stories by emailing gladpod at gladiatorstv.com please do continue to um, leave us some five star ratings and reviews on iTunes or whichever platform you listen to the gladpod on let's get on with this week's show three Welcome to your Glad Pod. And what a Glad Pod this is going to be. Possibly, actually, no, factually, <laughs> the most popular, the most famous gladiator <laughs> of all gladiators of all time, the big mean baddie himself, known to you and I as the Wolfman. Wolf, <laughs> welcome. You're looking yeah, well. You. You're over in New Zealand now, is that right? That's right, yeah. I've lived here for the last 16 years, I think. So let's go back to the very beginning. Do we, should we go back to even before gladiators when you when you got that call tell us a little bit about what your life was pre-glad pre-glad so i i was running my gymnasiums i've opened four in england and sold them all when i came to uh live in new zealand and then opened another two over here one of the guys in one of my gyms said to me they're looking for gladiators on a new tv show and i remember seeing it late at night sometimes if i was up late i see the american version and that's the only thing i knew about gladiators and he said to me i know how fit you are he said you should go for it and i went yeah maybe i will then i forgot about it and then i left it for a couple of weeks and i bumped into this guy in the gym again he said to me did you apply for us i said no i forgot all about it i said uh, i'll do it now i'll do it right now otherwise i'll forget again you know and then i rang them up and said can you send me an application form for for a gladiator and they said you're too late we've closed it now uh, we send you a contenders one so i said if you want to go up against the ones we choose i said okay fine just send us that and the, and i got the contenders form and they asked me to send a picture in and i just done a poster called barbarian for a computer game i thought oh that's a good picture I'll, I'll send that and it was me and uh, page three girl Marie Whitaker beside me holding my legs sitting there next to me and I had a sword and my long hair and you know I thought that'd be a good picture anyway so I sent the poster in as my picture next thing I get a phone call from Andrew Norgate saying we, we saw your picture we loved it can you come in for an audition for a gladiator and I said oh I thought it was too late they said no 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 we want to see you so I went up to the offices and they said are oh, you fit and everything they're just like Cobra does they just jumped straight into a splits it did hurt but I didn't say anything I said yeah I said whatever you want somersaults which I couldn't do by saying I could I said anything you want somersaults splits jumps I mean 
any fitness trial you want to put me through? I said, no problem. Easy as pie. They said, okay, well, we'll be in touch. And then I got a phone call saying, you've been down, you know, to the last 600 people and we're going to send you to Woolwich Army Barracks and we're going to put you through fitness trials. That's where I met Jet, you know, the second most beautiful person there after me. And I'll tell you something which a lot of people don't know. When I got there, I phoned my wife now, but it was my girlfriend at the time, Paula, and I phoned her up and said, they're massive. I'm going to get killed. She said, well, do your best, darling. Anyway, so as I was going through the trials, quite easy, actually, I noticed that after every trial, that the guys in the trial would be lying on the floor, totally exhausted. And the producers were looking at them with little these little clipboards. I'm thinking, I can't, I can't lie down like that. They're going to think I'm tired. So after every event, I just went, oh, that was easy. I hope the next one's harder, really loud. And then I went around the corner and I was like, oh, 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 you know, so out of sight of the cameras, out of sight of the producers, out of sight of everybody. And I walked back in and go, is the next event ready yet? They said, no, we're just getting it ready. I said, oh, I'll make it hard. This is too easy. And I walked around the corner going, going, oh, oh, like, <laughs> I walked back in and the other guy's thinking, God, this guy's so fit. He's not even phased. He's not even tired. So I had a psychological advantage to begin with, you know? And to cut a long story short, I think it was one event I finished second in, the rope climb to, to Saracen won that. And I think yeah. I won all the rest. Also, before, right at the end, I don't know if you remember, Jet, right at the end, they had an army assault course. And they had these guys there standing there to, like, give you a lift over a 10-foot wall. And I saw the producers with a clipboard again. I just looked at the guy and said, no, nah, don't need the lift. And and we're just about to do this this assault course. And they paired us up in, like, fours and five at a, a time. And I think it was John Anderson came up to me and said, just cruise this we can't afford to get you hurt, okay, just cruise it. I'm like, why is he telling me that? Because they haven't said I'm in yet. They haven't said nothing. So I just cruised it and I still won it. Because at the time, it was just a coincidence. What happened is I was I was about 120 kilos in the off-season when I used to compete in bodybuilding. And then I went through a phase when I said, you know what? I don't like not having no abs. I don't like being like a big fatty off-season. I think I'm going to go through a fitness stage. I'm not going to compete anymore. I just want to be really super fit. And I dropped about, I don't know, about 25, 30 kilos. And uh, I got really, really fit. And just at that time is when Glads came along. So the timing just couldn't have been better. They wanted to try and like the Spice Girls. They wanted somebody who was blonde, somebody who was redhead. I think Flame, she yes. was originally blonde. They dyed her hair red because yep. they wanted they wanted somebody who was Flame. That's right. So basically, and then they wanted a black guy, a white guy, a blonde guy. They were try- like they were trying to put a group together, you know? And when we were about to do the show and I went up to him, I said, the name is Wolf, Big Bad Wolf. I said, can I be bad? to the producers and they said no everybody to be squeaky clean this is your image and all that and I said can I just do it for one show if you don't like it please I'll never ask you again I'll never bring it up just one show they said just one and that's it I did it the one show and the audience just went boom and it just went crazy and they went that's it you're bad and I remember about a year or two down the line I think it was Trojan and he went up to him afterwards and said what are you doing he said I'm being bad they said no he's bad you're good Let's check the wolf stats. He's certainly no sheep in wolf's clothing. For Winninger's sake, let's hope it's not a full moon. Congratulations, that was a close one. I got one message to the wolf man. I'm not Red Winding Hood, and I'm not scared of the big bad wolf. Winninger, thank you very much. Whoa, that is a direct challenge. That is a challenge to the wolf man.
Big teeth you've got. I don't think he appreciated being reminded about that little Red Riding Hood episode. A winning formula, though, wasn't it, Mike? It was an absolute winning formula because, like in all traditional good entertainment theatre film, there's always got to be a baddie. And I'll never forget when we first entered into the arena, you were sat on the floor. Nothing had been rigged up. You were sat on the floor with your back propped up against a crash mat. Your legs were out long. You had a, a Tupperware tub of usually the rice and chicken. And then we sat and had a little conversation. You looked at me and you went, Oh, Jet. I didn't want to be a baddie. I wanted to be like the lover man. I wanted to be loved by the audience, but at the same time I thought, you know what, all you guys were young, all beautiful. There was me, the oldest one guy there, just turning 40. What have I got to do to stand out? These guys I'm working with are amazing. What can I do that makes me stand out? And being a baddie was what I thought was the only way to do it because I had to do something, you know, because you guys were so fantastic. Oh, that, well, that's a lovely, lovely compliment. Did you have to kind of, because you were already an actor, did you have to really kind of process the whole angle of how you actually going to do bad how you was it the little pushing and shoving or was it the one-liners did you actually have to get into character at all yes i'd have to get into character but what i had to remember what was the most important thing to me was not overkill because i couldn't go out and be bad every time because some situations just didn't lend the opportunity to be bad sometimes you just had to go out and go with the flow but if an opportunity presented itself then i could go into character then I could do it then you know then it was right and then but if you just did it every week then it would be boring at the same time is I've got to think of the audience they want to go home and if I just did take Hank Tough for instance okay if I just swung across and did a clinical kill wrap my legs around a guy pull him down where's the entertainment if I got my legs wrapped around him and he's not going anywhere I stick my finger up his nose and rub it all over his face or I start slapping him or pulling his hair or rubbing my armpits and going Oh, that smells bad. Smell this. There are people in the audience will go home and say, did you see what he did? He did that. He did this. Oh my God, he did that. You know, they've got something to talk about. And they'll go on. That, that, they'll remember that part of the show. Shut up. You know something? It really, really hurts you to say something nice about me, doesn't it? Yes. Yes. Oh, say it. Let me let me look at your lips. Say, Wolf, you were fantastic. Wolf, you were. Go on, say it. Go on. Ugly. Let's hear it for Wolf Alley. And he was in quite a good mood before that interview. This wolf baiting is bound to end in tears. Ali's friend Cameron pointing the yellow finger at Wolfie. I'm sorry, but they're asking for it. Yes, Wolf over the barrier. It's the only big hand the wolf will ever get. Well, that's what Wolfie thinks of it. The supporters aren't in bits, but the hand is. Now, down in the arena, here's David Matthews, a top man in the backstage team at Gladiators, and he presents a replacement glad hand to that young lady, making up for the one that Wolf ate. And he's even signed it. What a shock.
I was going to say, Mike, that actually producer Paul and I kind of gone through and tried to pick out some of our most memorable moments of, of those antics in particular. And actually, you know, you've got ripped, you you tore, you stripped like contenders during this time. And especially on Hang Tough, that seems to be the one that's almost, it was prime for that. And I think the most memorable moment for, for Paul and I was pulling down the shorts on poor Roddy McKay. I'm not sure if you can remember that one, but... And what happened in that instance was that I was sliding down him and I was just grabbing onto wherever I could grab onto. <laughs> and I'm just so glad he was facing the away from me when I pulled his shorts down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if he'd been embarrassed, he'd be facing the other way. <laughs> and Roddy gets a massive swing. He's in the scoring zone in two swings and Wolf is right behind him. Or I should say in front of him. Roddy one rings. Oh, look at that ball straight in. Dives in, grabs him by the waist. That moves like the stretches. Oh, GP. Oh, Wolf's down and so are his trousers. Have you ever seen anything quite so silly in your life? A man with his trousers round his ankles trying to swing from ring to ring to a gladiator's platform. Brian Ricks, eat your heart out. Now can Roddy get to the platform? Crowd split, some willing him on, the rest willing them off. Oh. Stretching all of our imaginations, there's the whistle, that must be a first. A somersault with your trousers down, I think that constitutes flashing. All right, hands up, who wants to see the replay? I think so, let's savour this piece of TV history as the wolf takes a piece of Red Riding Hood. But bet that's put a smile on Granny's face. Well, John, that was a very, very close decision. I was on the point of disqualifying Wolf for ungentlemanly conduct. By exposing him. You need to learn how to behave. Wolf, this is happening time and time again. The referee's being unfair. He had pants on. You mentioned Hang Tough. Now, we've crunched some numbers here at Bad Pod and we've we've discovered, because of, you know, on the show for such a long time, 28 wins, four draws, six losses. And on Pyramid, 12 wins and six losses. Were they your two favourite events, do you think? Not really. It's just going with the flow, really. A lot of people don't realise this, and Jet will tell you this. You'd walk out, Sometimes we had three shows in one day. In the beginning, it was one show every two or three days. Then the next series, it was one show every day. Then the next series, it was two shows a day because it was all about budget cuts and how expensive each show was. And they were trying to make as much money out of it as possibly could. And the outlay was enormous, about a million pound a show. So it was very, very expensive production. It was huge because it was such a, a big production and they were trying to cram it in. What would happen is that we'd go into a show, say show one, okay? We'd go into our little penned area which was at the back of the stage and on the wall would be what events you're in you walk up you look and say oh i'm on two events today or i'm on three events or i'm on one he didn't know but by the third show he they'd walk in and say who can do what <laughs> someone would say i've hurt my arm i can't swing or or someone would say i've hurt my leg or i've hurt my knee i've hurt this at the end, you won three games, not because you were the best of those three, it's because no one else could do it. I think I'm the only gladiator that's never missed a show, ever, including the internationals, including 
Australia. And the only reason for that is when I was injured and I'd mm-hmm. say to them, I'm injured, they say, we don't mind. You choose what you want to do. The audience want to see you. The banners out there are all for you. Please, you choose the event and you go out there. If you can't swing, you can't run, maybe you can do something else. Was there a point at which you kind of downloaded the fact that you... Uh, by that stage, you really were there as part of more of the kind of the colour of the entertainment rather than actually, because you obviously were an elite and a brilliant athlete. We've got to give you that. Never missing event. You were so driven and so committed. And I remember that. I mean, the pressure was on all of us to really perform. But was there a moment at which you suddenly downloaded? Actually, I can't cruise here and I don't want to because I know that's not your mental style. But you actually put the two and two together about I'm kind of here for the f- the entertainment value. Was there a moment that really hit you? You was up there with me did you know and everyone was jet 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 as far as the females was concerned it was just jet all the way you were number one by far it was just everyone was in love with you you know you were a lovely lady and you know everyone wanted to know about you every time i went to answer questions at a person appearances they'd ask me about jet but conversely i'd always get is wolf really like what he is and you know the pressure on me i still had, had to perform i had to kind of you, you couldn't just get away with flicking your hair and, and looking cute and smiling all the time because you still had to come up with a good Remember Hang Tough when we were practicing? You couldn't do Hang Tough. I would stay with you. We'd practice again and again and again. And then you ended up being one of the best people on Hang Tough there was. You know, the, you remember the hand guards? The rings were really thin metal and you could, you'd have just cut your hands. You had to learn how to use the hand guard. Once you'd got grip right, you were off. But I was just saying, is that like kind of the moment when you realise that you could not coast... But you could get away with being in that arena and even not having to win or do. In fact, the more you lost, the more it gave you that superb platform to be the big bad wolf. I wanted to win every event. So if I lost, it wasn't because I was coasting. It was because I genuinely lost. You know, some days you feel good and you feel great. Other days... You're injured, you're taking an injury with you, and you're not performing at your best. Personally, for my personal integrity, I wanted to win every time. But what I resented, I won't say who said it to me, but a couple of glads, more than one, said, it's okay for you at the end of every series, you know you're coming back for the next one. And I didn't like that because it's not because the character is so strong. It was because I wanted to win. But yes, the character was strong. Who's that ugly man, mummy? Hope I don't look like that when I'm 60. Well done, let's hear from Buster! And let's hear from the Wolfman! Well, doesn't everyone just love to kick a wolf when he's down? I don't even see on number one in the rings. I'll tell you what I think of Buster's poster. Uh-oh, I think he's going to turn ugly, if that's possible. He's ripping it down. Buster's brother Gary in a very uncomfortable position. Buster's mum and dad having a go. Here's Buster to sort it out. And Buster's dad won't let go of the poster. Fash has turned up. There's all sorts going on down there. Willie will be getting stuck in soon, if we're lucky. Norgate mediating. Well, I hope Gary's shirt wasn't new. And Wolf being man handled to the changing rooms. Do you remember when we went to Australia? We had a meeting. We were all there and they turned around and said, right, guys, over this next series, we want you to do really best, your best you can do, because at the end of this, we're going to pick four from each group. You four are going to go to Australia. 
And one of the gladiators stood up and said, why don't you just say what it is? Why don't you just be totally honest with us and say, is there no way you're not going to take Wolf and Jet? So basically, you're telling us there's three places up for grabs. Be honest. Are you not going to take Wolf and Jet? No matter how bad they do, they will be in Australia. And the producers kind of shrugged their shoulders. That did go on. I mean, it was it was hard. I wanted to kind of ask that, you know, you in your shoes. And I, I never took, like, probably like yourself, uh, you know, your integrity is there. You don't take, even if your, your character's strong and you've become popular, you don't take it for granted, do you? Because we're human and not conceited. We weren't egocentric enough to think, oh, yeah, well, we're definitely in, we're definitely going. But I felt a discomfort amongst the team a little bit around that because if anyone was thinking what you've just said, it, it meant for there being a little bit of discourse or jealousy potentially with that. And, and you can only, it's only human, isn't it, that they would think, oh, well, you're all right, you know? And if, because everybody, like any job, you want to go back to it, you want to stay part of the job. No one wants to feel that they're being sidelined or marginalised, yeah? I don't know if you remember, Jet, that time we had a meeting in your room, some guy wanted to organise us. I'm not sure who he was, but he was saying to us that we, the power was with us. But then I remember in the meeting, which I didn't like, <laughs> there were a couple of people turned and said, well, you go forward and tell them we're not happy because they won't sack you. I was really uncomfortable with that. They put a load of pressure on you. What was that? must have been really uncomfortable. It was. It was uncomfortable. We're a group, but you're saying, you know, when it suits you, it, it's it's me who has to go and tell them you're not happy with something. And I, we never we didn't never did anything about that because I didn't think it was right. You know, I agree. I agree. I think I, I got a bit of pressure as well. And it was it was about some sort of levity of, of payment or getting the payment up because there was a lot of risk in what we did. Isn't there something, producer Paul, about the Americans actually had done this? They'd presented it back to the producers because their show had been going on that much longer. And of course, by then we realised this is quite a dangerous place to work. So people wanted a bit more money. Am I right in thinking that? Yeah, the Americans did um, actually revolt against. It. They wanted kind of more rights, more money uh, for all of the merchandising and stuff that was going on. But it actually backfired for the team over there and they pretty much got rid of the entire team, more or less, except for a few, few of the gladiators who didn't go through with the meetings. So yeah, subsequently they kind of axed most of the team. A few of them did come back later on, but yeah, some of the big key players did just leave from there so there was another incident I don't know if you remember this I think I don't even know was it live at Wembley I can't remember but there was an incident where Nigel pulled up Hawk because he didn't do very well on a game Nigel laid into him you know in front of us Hawk told him where to go basically we all looked at each other as if to say wrong move to do it in front of all of us Nigel could not back down you know it was embarrassing for him and next thing Hawk was gone really nice guy I liked him because he stood up for himself and told Nigel what he thought of Nigel he was gone now a little while after that I think about a year later or something Nigel pulled me up about something I remember the Hawk incident and I said to Nigel I want to work with you outside in private that way we're not doing it in front of everybody and I basically told him what I thought I said if you want me to go you can take your shelves stuff it and off you know up your ass and I'll go somewhere you know and then he said Wolfie you know I don't want you to go don't be silly you know we have disagreements this this happens but no you're part of the show you're an integral part of the show and Nigel being the true professional he was he put the show first but had I told him what I thought because he was pulling me up in front of all you lot I'd have been out that door because Nigel even though he was a professional and felt hell of a producer he could not be embarrassed 
in front of the other gladiators like that, like Hawking mm -hmm. barrister him. So you got to choose your battles. N Nigel was man enough to put the show first and be a professional and just be Nigel. He was great, you know, but I did it to him in private and Nigel being the man he is, he took it in private and he accepted the criticism from me and I accepted the criticism from him and we moved on. But you got to remember, you know, there's certain things you do in the show and certain things you're not sure if they're going to keep in the show or they're going to leave in the show. I remember I did something on the show once I thought, oh, there's no way they're going to leave this in the show. And when I saw it aired on the television, I thought, oh, they left it in. That was with Eureka. And I did an event and Eureka went, oh, that was a bit pathetic, wasn't it? And I said, I grabbed the mic and I shouted to the audience, do you want to know why I lost? And they all went, I put them, and they all went, yeah. I said, do you want to know why I lost? And they went, yeah. And I went, just before I came out to do this game, I saw Eureka backstage without any makeup on. <laughs> And I felt sick. And she stormed off the set. <laughs> and everyone was laughing. And I thought, uh-oh, they're not going to leave that in the show. And they left it in. What can I say? I mean, he made just easy meat of that. It was just no competition. It's all your fault. No, do you want to know why it's her fault I lost? Do you want to know? No. I saw her backstage with her makeup on and I felt so sick I couldn't do it. Ooh, Ozzy and Sylvia seeing the funny side of that. Hello, Uli throwing a strop and walking off the set. Oh well, anyone got Danny Bear's phone number? And Eureka, being a professional she was, she laughed backstage about it, yeah. you know, but, you know. You pushed, you pushed her about quite a bit, didn't you, Mike? You did, you pushed the boundaries of her quite a lot. Because she never knew whether you were going to be naughty or nice. I remember one time she said something bad to me and I just licked her face and... <laughs> but she was very professional, you know, so she just took it all tongue in cheek. And, um... got no excuses he was very fast i believe you're having a baby and, Not I, just the wanna, moment. and I just want i just want to say congratulations oh no is this a changed wolf and looking back you must now realize it all makes total sense to have had you just the way that you were would you have done anything differently I'd have won more <laughs> no but uh, not really because nothing was rehearsed I said if I saw the opportunity it just went with it you know but what I loved what I loved one time I remember I'm about to walk out do a get a hang tough it was I walked up the stairs and I wiggled my bottom from side to side like I always did for a laugh and people were laughing and then I stood at the stop of the uh, podium thing and I looked to the audience to my right and I put my arms up and they all stood up and they were screaming, you know? And then I walked across and I put looked to the left and then they all stood up and they were screaming. Then I looked across to hang tough to the audience behind the contender and they all stood up and started screaming. And then I just rubbed my chin like that and said, time to do the show. You know, it was just the satisfaction of seeing everybody standing on their feet and I hadn't done anything yet. And it was screaming shade and I hadn't even grabbed the ring yet. 100% pressure. But it was getting that reaction and interaction with the audience that I was working on. And when that happened, I knew it was working because you hadn't done anything and they were all screaming. Yeah, it certainly is a bad wolf and a bad sport as usual, just living up to your reputation. Oh, come on, give credit where it's due. Oh, it's fantastic. What do you mean, okay? Okay. That was good. 
from hell not given to modesty even when he loses so when he wins he's impossible oh a sneaky shove from phil norman getting one back on wall for pushing andy hello oh it's just norman in what's happened this should be interesting because phil's a karate champion <laughs> Wolf must be out of his mind taking on Phil, but then we've always thought he was. Not normally the kind of behaviour we expect from a pensioner. John Anderson's in there to sort it out. Keep back, behave yourself, play the game properly, try and be a sportsman on your way. Wolf sent packing, rebuked by the ref. It's a wonder he didn't give Wolf a blast with his hooter. Well, Mike, I was going to ask about that because the sometimes you'd see the contenders' families, they would get like really riled up and angry. Were there any moments you can remember thinking, maybe I pushed this a bit too far? Never. What I would do is I would walk over to their members of their family all smiley like I was going to shake their hand and then I ripped their banners down and <laughs> they're taking ages to prepare those banners I just ripped them apart well and also with the with the, the kids foam hands I can remember you you know you'd rip them up but I, I have since heard that you would then give them a signed replacement but did it ever go wrong where you ripped something up for someone and, you, and then they were like oh no yeah yeah I went over to a little girl all smiles and I smiled and I walked over to her and she was waving her little hand at me and I ripped her hand off and I started pulling the fingers off in front of her one at a time and she was Whoa! people with her were going we're going to kill you you had all trying to reach across to get at me and I was thinking quick bring me the replacement hand with all the signatures on and you know and then they were a bit slow bringing it on the kids going Whoa! and then I gave them the hand and they were all went oh this is amazing thank you thank you like and I thought oh get that on camera after the crime and, and what about Pyramid as well because you would often push the contenders off the top after the game but did you ever worry about Injuring them doing that? No, because I'd always whisper in their ear before I did it. I said, we're about to push you. They went, what? Ah! Oh, the magic of TV just like, I was going to say ruined there, but it did still sound like a bit of a surprise for them. They knew it as they were thinking about it in mid-air thinking, did he just, what did he say? Well, Mark, despite the fact you had that nasty, nasty Wolfman on your trail, you picked up 10 points. Yes. That's all I wanted to do is just make it to the top of the pyramid in one of my games and I've done that. Did he play dirty? He's quite strong, but he's a bit dirty. He shouldn't have pushed me down though. He's, he's always out of order. Wolfman, you don't look to be too happy. Ace, quiet! Now listen to me. The referee said stop. I looked around at him and he pushed me off and the referee said stop. I waited. Now the referee is out of order, I want a video replay, I want an official complaint. Version of it, please. Yes, this uh, this game is about sportsmanship, understanding the rules, which is difficult for some people. Hey. <laughs> the game is about tackling and taking people off, not about pushing. And because oh. of his conduct, this is a yellow card. No way. This. No. This. You said the contestant cannot tackle me. One more. He tackled me. One more. The wolf's not prepared to eat his words, so eats the yellow card. Unless you eat your crust, you'll grow up to be like that nasty man. Well, the ref's given up on him. Not a good example from someone who's going to be drawing their old age pension in a couple of years.
one event that comes up quite a lot and for various reasons is the wall. Now, again, we've done the facts and the figures on this, Mike, and you actually lost 21 times on the wall and only won four. You said that there was no event that you liked particularly more than any others. You liked them all. What is the event that you hated the most because you always lost? It's not that. It's just that 10 seconds is a big head start. And you're not talking about ordinary guys. You're talking about they've had fitness trials across the country. Every fitness trial, they'd have a stadium somewhere in Manchester, Liverpool, you know, whatever, and they'd have about 5,000 people turn up. So the people you're up against are the best of the best. To give somebody like that 10 seconds head start, it's a hell of a lot. And you've got two overhangs. You know, I mean, if you did a roof jump, you might be able to miss the first couple of runs and save a few seconds. But if you cocked it up, you'd end up back at the start again. You know, 10 <laughs> seconds is a lot. You know, and then it got reduced to seven seconds and then five seconds in the final. But it's still a, it's a big start for these people who got that far because they're that good. And Hunter, he was six foot four and I'm just under six. His reach was far better than mine. He's halfway up the wall by the time you sneezed or you're looking and thinking, God, he's just so good at this. He's just so tall and six foot four and just long reach, you know. It went against me and Cobra because we were because of our height. We were just six foot as compared to all the others, all six foot four, six foot two, six foot three, you know. What an incredible distance between Wolf and Brian. And Wolfman not impressing his fan club on this occasion. He's already over for 10 points. And look at the distance within Cobra. And another 10 points. Both guys relieved to get off the mark and onto the scoreboard. Brian made that look very easy. 10 points, well done. Good event for me, John. Bad one for the Wolfman. Not just on the heights thing, but about the camaraderie amongst the boys. Was there any anything that we don't know out here, even as girls? Was there something between all of you? Do you were you helpful towards each other? Or was there any kind of torsion or tension between any of you at any point? Or was it quite good? No, because we all stuck to our gladiator names, as you said from the beginning. But that was because there was four Michaels. So when they said... Mike or Michael, everyone went, huh? And we'd all look around every single time. They say Michael. So we said, this is ridiculous. Let's just stick to our gladiator name. Did you actually have a favourite event, though, that your pulse would race for when you thought, I'm on that, I love that, I've got that? I like the pyramid because I could have a lot of fun on that. I'd throw somebody down and then I'd lie down with my arms behind my head. And would you have a gladiator is running back and forth trying to stop the guy like this, <laughs> you know, all crazy like. And I'm there, fully horizontal, lying with my hands, you know, resting on my head waiting for the guy to run up and everyone's thinking he's going to get past him he's going to get past him and I'd leave it to the last split second and then I'd jump up and grab the guy and throw him down again or I'd be sitting there doing my nails or doing something you know completely derogatory towards the contender as if to say you're nothing this is easy you know and I was just hoping I wouldn't lose while I'm doing all that because because one time I was making fun of a contender just thrown down and I sit there waving at him like this and he was flat on his face and the next minute I think it was Hunter threw somebody down but he threw him on me I went flying through the air with this contender landed flat on my face my guy who I was waving at looked at me and went <laughs> and ran up the pyramid and I lost and I'm still flat on my face thinking what am I because I didn't expect to be hit from behind Wolf throwing fell down oh the cheek of the man ah Dina Cobra knocked the knocklet Wolf off the pyramid and anyway but Phil is up and stopped and he gets to the top fireworks and it's 10 points for Phil 
Sticking to Pyramid though, Mike, I'll never forget once, because you are, I think anyone listening now who hasn't heard you, the persona behind the wolf, you are a joker and you're always up for fun. But we were rehearsing one day and you did something and I really felt for you because I've had disc issues in my back as well. You jumped down the pyramid, not on your legs, you weren't, we weren't practicing, you were just having a bit of fun and it was funny but you got to the bottom tell everybody what happened i thought wouldn't it be exciting if i jumped from the top of the pyramid to one step from the bottom in one leap be ready to take the guy on you know and i did it but the way i landed it just squashed my disc and i still got problem now and i was in so much pain i couldn't even stand up i had an mri scan and instead of this being straight one of them was bulging paying the price today for it still that's why our boss nigel at the time he said i don't want you all i don't want any of you playing on the events for fun even trying the eliminator because he clocked on by then serious injury time and if any one of us like yourself was injured you'd be out for the season but you know it's like an eternal for you it must be like an eternal gladiator injury that reminds you every day even now i I don't squat anymore because of it you know i used to squat really heavy no more squats or standing calf machine because it compresses down on the spine. Mike, you mentioned the eliminator there, and he's probably the only gladiator, albeit in a bit of a joking setting, but the only gladiator to actually done the eliminator because um, actually the only event you didn't do was 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 tilt. Was the eliminator everything you thought it would be? Well, what happened on that eliminator when we did it for fun with Brian Connolly, I had to keep running on the spot. And it was bloody hard because it's easy to run straight up it, but to stay in the middle of it and pretend you're running, or you are running, and Brian Connolly supposed to press a button and go straight to the top. You know, it was hard to actually stay there in the middle of the thing and keep running on the spot. It was a true testament of fitness, that was, I tell you. And obviously it ended in quite a funny way as well. Can you remember the, the ending? The trophy up my butt, yeah, that was funny. But I love that sketch. It, it was really, it was really, really funny, you know. The madness more dangerous here in this dangerousness area. I shall be chased around the gladiator course by one of the biggest names in gladiators, the awesomest, the beefiest, the nastiestestest, Ulrika Johnson. Yes, but the bad news is that Ulrika Johnson can't be with us tonight. Oh, that's a shame. Right, we'll have to cancel, right, everyone? You all go home now. Go yes. home, everybody. Yes, yes, yes. But the good news is, this one could. This is Ulrika. All right there, love. All right. How's the baby? Don't you recognise this gladiator? Yes, of course I do, John. We think I'm stupid. This here, it's Ulrika. <laughs> the name is Wolf Pillock. <laughs> oh, that's a stupid name, isn't it? Wolf Pillock. Wolf, Wolf, yeah. You ready for it? All right, all right, all right. Yeah, don't mess with me. I got a black belt in karaoke. <laughs> wow! <laughs> wow! <laughs> The relationship between you and John Anderson, it would love hate on screen. What was it like behind the scenes? John was one of the most loveliest guys going. He was my friend off the screen. We'd often go out and have dinner together and all that. Uh, he's, he's just great. But we worked like a, a dual comedy act together. 
like Morecambe and Wise or something. I couldn't have done half the things I did without his participation. He would like allow me a bit of leeway and then, then he'd do something to bring me down a peg then I'd have to answer back to him. And it was just back and forth between us and it was like, he was my nemesis. He really interacted well with me. One thing I wanted just to cover is, you mentioned about the International Gladiators earlier. So in 94, I think it was, you teamed up with Nitro from the American Gladiators who was their bad boy and you were dubbed as the gruesome twosome. Then you had that rivalry with Falcon during the Ashes series, or especially during the Ashes series. And then you teamed up with Jackal from South Africa in the Springbok Challenge. So aside from Wolf being the ultimate baddie of Gladiators, who do you think was that was the next best bad boy out of those they both did a good job but uh, you know I think having his dreadlocks and dark skin and being so big he was about six foot four wasn't he it made it a bit more intimidating as a baddie you know because of the dreadlocks and everything you know I think he looked good. Yeah, well, I mean, that was the, the, the benefit of doing all this. You were mingling with like-minded people from from across the, the globe as well. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but Jet will tell you this. All the gladiators in the Australian team were scripted. We had carte blanche in our show to do what we wanted, say what we wanted, do what we wanted. I think I'd be compromised if I had to stick to a set script and... You had to introduce it into the events. It just, it'd be in the back of my mind, it wouldn't work. And I feel uncomfortable. You know, I like the fact that our producers just let us do whatever we want to do. And if they didn't like it, they just edit it out. A little piece of advice for you challengers. When you come out there and you meet me, pretend you're hurt. Get out there in the fast. Because as long as you're there, the more pain you're going to get from me. The Ashes. Yeah, well, actually, it's interesting because Vogue mentioned in our chat with her that she actually wanted to be a baddie herself because Vogue didn't really lend itself to necessarily being good or or bad. But she was told that it wasn't really appropriate to have kind of a, a bad girl in the 1990s. What do you think? Do you think there was room for a bad girl? I think there's always room for a bad girl. But I think the producers kind of controlled it. They controlled everything they wanted to. Like, I was the baddie and they didn't want others to be baddie. You know, it's very controlled. You know, I was just fortunate that the name lent itself Big Bad Wolf if it wasn't for the name and say I was called something else like Potato Head or something I don't think I could have come out as a baddie going here comes Potato Head when we did the original trials they already had the names picked and approved by the Americans before we went for that trial and after that when they said after I don't know if you remember Jet, they said we're going to let you know in two weeks time who we've chosen I got a phone call the next morning and I got told you are, you're going to be Wolf and you've been chosen as a gladiator. And I just said, excuse me a minute. And I walked out to the garden and I went, ah! <laughs> I walked back in and I went, oh, great. Look forward to it. Was it the biggest break you'd say you'd ever had? Absolutely, ever. When you were doing minor roles in acting and when you're doing commercials, yes, I was recognised by the commercials sometimes by people in the street who say, oh, wasn't you in that commercial? You know, but they said to us at a meeting at London Weekend Television, they said, once this goes to air, you will not be able to walk out into the street without everybody recognising you. I thought, I'd like to see that. I bet that's not going to happen. And then the minute it went to air, after the first show, I was walking somewhere and a taxi driver shouted out, Wolfram! At the top of the taxi, at the top of his voice, I thought, oh, he knows who I am. And even now, I tell you, another funny story. I went through, you know, if you've ever been through customs, right? When you go through the airport, when I go back to England, like for the Comic-Coms, they're quite they're a little bit surly. Not surly, but... They're very matter of fact. You know, they open your passport, they look at you and they go, hmm. And they just look you up and down. Why are you here sort of thing? And they let you pass. 
I've come up to passport, coming back into England and uh, from New Zealand. And the passport guy opens my passport. He looks at me and he goes, <gasps> he gets his phone out. He goes, quick, can I have a selfie? And I'm like, hang on, this is a passport guy. And I'm walking through the airport and everyone's going, all right, all right. I'm thinking, I've lost all my hair. They're still recognizing me. <laughs> and people are going, where were we? What were we on this? Well, I'm going to get my hire car. And people are going, hey, how you doing? All right. We sort you out a good car. Well, we'll get you. Don't worry. We'll upgrade you. And, you know, I'm like, wow, this is fantastic. This is 20 years on. And that's the reaction I'm getting the minute I've stepped off the plane. So, you was, you know, again, you are you an international well-known gladiator, probably the most flat, glad, famous gladiator of all of us. <laughs> but, you know, this, the show did kind of grind to a halt in the end. It went to G Sky B, Sky Gladiators, The Legends. So during the whole of that period, are you aware that this show was having to transform and grow with the times? And what was, did your attitude change as an athlete and as well? Wolf within the show while it was changed or do you think no I'm going to keep producing all I've been able to produce my best I made a big mistake personally what I said to my wife Paula was that you know what I don't want to do acting anymore I don't want to do anything with that all I want to do now is just enjoy myself go in the gym I had all my gyms work out Wolf on the back shelf unless I'm I'm asked to do a, a guest appearance on something I don't want to do anything I don't want to do anything and I didn't push the acting whatsoever while I was hot I should have done but I didn't kind of a regret and then I was speaking with John Sachs and I said to him I'm putting on the back burner sort of thing and he said well I know this guy called Dennis Selinger and he has offices in Hollywood and he's the top agent he could get you into big movies things like that you can't get a meeting with a guy I'm friends with him I can arrange for you to have a meeting with him are you interested so I said I spoke to Paul about it and she went Go for it. I went, all right then. So I met with Dennis Selinger. He's a really old boy. We went to lunch. He didn't say a lot. He just kept looking at me and didn't didn't hardly say anything. He let me do all the talking. And he told me about, he's got Roger Moore and he's got Oliver Reed and he's got all these big stars. And, you know, and I thought, wow, you know, this is like next level. And then he said, let's go back to my office and talk. We went back to his office and he's got a load of scripts on his desk. And he said, these are all movies. I'm going to find something for you. I'm going to take you on. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is, I just can't believe this. This is like out of this world, you know. I've made it with one of the top agents in the whole of the industry, you know. It's got top stars. I've, I've made it. And then a week later, I got a phone call saying, you got an invite to Dennis Selinger's funeral. He's just died. And I went to the funeral and Roger Moore was reading the last rites. And there was a who's who of stars there. And I felt out of place because, all right, I'm a gladiator, but I'm not in their league. It's like big stars, you know, and I'm sort of like class B and they're class A. About a week after the funeral, I got a phone call from whoever taken over and said, look, I know Dennis took you on. He saw something in you, but we're having a revamp of the agency and we don't think you're big enough for us. And we're not going to take you on. So I went from, yes, I've made it to the top agency, to the top agent to no. So, and then after that, I said, okay, that's it. I'm not going back to acting anymore. And I left it there. Just think going back to Bad Boys again. So we had the introduction of Vulcan back in 98. Now he, because he was an established bad boy in the Australian Gladiators team. Were you, were you worried that they were trying to bring in another bad boy to try and upset you? Or were they, do you think they're worried that you might retire? Uh, no, he's, he's a nice guy, but nah, it, it couldn't be. It, there's only one wolf. No disrespect to him, but uh, nah, he pales in my shadow. In the last series, we interviewed who was going to become Shark Metin. And this was in 97, and he was 
being sold as the new bad boy. And it was just, and then, and then he didn't make it, and then Khan was supposed to be bad, but that didn't work out. I didn't know whether you ne- ever felt that the producers might want to try and bring in a new bad boy, or whether you just felt confident that you were the bad boy of Gladiator. Basically, I just thought I'd just keep my head down, just keep doing what I'm doing, and if they want to bring another bad in, or they want to get rid of me and replace me, it's up to them. But you know, I just did my my job as a true professional. And uh, from the gecko, and I just went on and just did what I had to do, you know. I treated it as a professional from day one. I am a professional athlete. When I'd go out to have breakfast in the morning, sometimes I'd see girls leaving in evening dresses on the night before, say, some from some of the other gladiators' rooms. And then we'd have breakfast, and they'd, they'd say, oh, I'm so tired, you know. And I'm thinking, yeah, I know why you've been up all night. I would watch a movie, have room service, and get an early night, and I'd be fresh for the morning. So sometimes it's important to treat it as a professional. No disrespect to you guys. I love you guys, but you've got to be professional all the time, not up all night playing, you know, cards with somebody. And Wolf, with his wheels partner, Cobra. Oh, pushes him. Good team spirit there. Cobra says, where's my agent? He's meant to be a team you know our Wolfie, he never did play by the Queensbury rules. Bad sportsman. Very bad sportsman. Oh, mind you, steady as that camera's been all night. The great thing about Wolf, grannies, small children, cheerleaders, everyone gets the same treatment. What took you to New Zealand in the end? Why why that beautiful country? I had a friend of mine who used to work out at my gym and went to live in New Zealand. And he kept sending me emails going, come and visit. This is amazing. You come and visit. It's fantastic. And Paula had a friend through all the way through kindergarten, all the way through senior school, who married a Kiwi and was living in New Zealand and kept saying to her, come out and visit, come out and visit. So what me and Paula would do is every year we'd pick a different country just so we'd see the world. We had a holiday home in Ibiza because my first wife was from Ibiza and my son lived there with her. So we had a holiday home there so we could always visit him. Anyway, so every year we'd pick somewhere different just to see the world, just go on holiday. And I said to her, well, you've got a friend in, in uh, New Zealand. I've got a friend in New Zealand. Why don't we go visit them? Because it's so far away, let's go for three or four weeks, you know, and see the place properly. And when I came over, it was breathtakingly beautiful. I sound like an advert for the tourist tourist board, but it was so beautiful. The people were so friendly. And there's only four million when I came over. It's five million now. It was just absolutely, I was blown away. Even though I lived in Seven Oaks in Kent in England, and that's a beautiful place to live in in England. I was just bowled away about how close the beaches were in Auckland to everything. You know, you can get on the car, go 20 minutes in any direction, you hit a beach. And I've got a home out here and, you know, it's absolutely, I can't see my neighbours, so I love the privacy. And I've got like water as you cross a bridge to get to my home. You can't see my home from the road. And, you know, it's just I just love it. And then I get in my car and I just, they call them batches here. If you've got a home near the water, you know, most people have strive to have a home and a batch and i've got a house as well which is two minutes from the water the kind of things you get here i could not have got in england because when i came here my money was worth double because of the currency and i've met so many people have come over since then you know because of the life and the fact that the lifestyle and the fact that your money's worth so much more so for the final time the wolf swings out he's had his ups and downs on the rings sometimes he stayed up and other times yes he's gone down He'll be looking to go out on a high tonight. Great 
work from the Wolf, impressive resistance by Mark. Is that really the last of the Wolfman? I don't think so. He's finishing in exactly the same way as he started eight years ago. In trouble with the ref. A familiar scene, this, Glad fans. Oh, Wolf's thrown his hat, and the ref's having a pop at Wolf. Oh, what's occurring here? Fash looks like he's getting ready to rock. John Anderson steaming in too, and Wolf is getting mullered. Extraordinary scenes. John Anderson and Fash taking out eight years of frustration of Wolfman. Timekeeper Andrew Norgate sorting out the fracas. Coming to the end of an era for the Wolf, the crowd rising to him, and the old fellow's signature tune and lap of honour. Well, the Wolf's lost none of his appeal over the years, just a chunk of his hair. The final series, how did you feel about it ending? Well, I don't know if you remember my walk down the corridor at the end when mm. I said, I'm going to be so sad, I'm going to miss all you fans. And it was sad because Gladiator has become an institution like Blind Date. People would watch Blind Date, they'd watch Gladiators, then they'd go out. It just became part of the British culture. You know, we were so well established as a show. They took us off to put on more Ice Warriors. Give me a break. There was nothing exciting about it. And they stopped us when we were pulling in 9 million. At our peak, we were pulling in 13 million. 9 million is more than all the shows are doing today. They'd be happy to do 9 million. Yeah, and, and I mean, how did you feel about going up against your fellow gladiators in the, the Battle of the Giants? Well, I just wish I'd done it when I was 40. <laughs> I, went against, I went against them when I was 48. You know, had I gone against them when I was 40, might have been a different result. But remember, think like Hunter was 19. Lightning was about 21. You know, these were young people and there was me 20 years older than them and I, I felt like saying to some of them like wait till you get to my age that's why i love and admire you to this day absolutely could not have done it at that age all right wolf i have to ask you if you're going to play fairly you're with your mates now you're not fighting any contenders well, all, all the gladiators are very very good i'm here to prove a point that at 47 i can mix it with the best and these are the best the show came off and then we had the um, revival on Sky and obviously you came back for that. And when you returned to the arena for the Legends Return, you had a massive standing ovation when you entered the uh, the arena. I mean, what was it like to be back? And did you, did you know, what did you make of it all? Well, to be honest with you, I wanted to come back as a glad. But what happened was that I was in Australia and on holiday with the kids and my wife eating a pizza, actually. And I got this phone call saying, we want to talk to you about glads. We need you to come back into the new series we're doing and all that. And I thought they meant as a glad. So I put the pizza down. I went out and I went for a run on the beach. I was running up and down this beach thinking, oh, I've got to get fit again. I've got to get really fit. You know, thinking that's what they were talking about. Oh, I came back and I was exhausted. And I looked at my pizza and it looked so good, but I didn't finish it. For the, for the rest of the holiday, I was just, no more bad junk, no more junk. Because I eat junk food on holidays. I thought, no more junk. I'm going to go out and I'm going to train every day. And I'm going to, you know, and then I, I, they started having the conversations with me on about the, the new show and all that. They said, we want you to come back as the team captain. I was like, oh, I want to be a gladiator, you know. And they said, no, no, we want you to be the team captain. And I thought, oh. And then they said, we're going to give you X amount of money. I went, I'll do it. So, now some people are saying that Oblivion is the new wolf. Can there be another wolf? Oblivion? I've, yeah. seen, I've seen more meat than an oxo cube. <laughs> 
And what about Johnny? We know, you know your famous run-ins with, with Johnny Anderson. Is everything okay? Oh, man. I saw him coming in a Zimmer frame earlier. I hope he's all right. Because you also returned for the two other Legend specials as well. You was only original Gladiator to appear on all three specials. But there was one moment at the end of the second Legend special, the Legend Strike Back. It, it was, it seemed incredibly cheesy and it was staged and it was where, you know, you retired from competition and you switched allegiances from the original team to join the, uh, the new Glads as the original male had lost the Eliminator to the new Glads. And this resulted in you having like a stage argument with Trojan on camera and pushing him down to the pool it wasn't quite all what gladiators was about what the original gladiator was about was it it was all a bit too fake and too sort of wwe they controlled the whole of that they told me what to do and how we want you to do it because you know and trojan was going for a laugh and so we we did it but it wasn't how i would have done it and you briefly came out of retirement to compete in the legends last stands against trojan earthquake yeah was it so it was all pretty much staged fights then wasn't it yeah but also hunter made a valid point he said if you compare all our ages together to the new gladiators we had a collective age of 200 and wolf was about 150 of that yeah hunter made a good point you know that collectively all our ages were so much more than the new glads who were all young and fit how they were when they first joined New Gladiators ready! Old Gladiators ready! What are you talking about? Old Gladiators! Sorry. Ancient Gladiators! We're not old. Very old. We're legends! I wanted to also briefly touch as well on, on merchandise because it's something that comes up quite a lot on the uh, the forums and it's, we always get pictures of, of merchandise stuff and Paul's got like a, a whole, producer Paul's got a whole like room full of full of the merchandise. You were very heavily used in the advertising campaigns at the beginning. Now I read somewhere, and this is, this is true, that you were the only gladiator to have your head 3D scanned for the second wave of the figures. No, I think a couple of people, I, I complained about my figurine because I thought it was, it didn't look like me and then they decided to do the 3D one after that and then it did look like me that was the, I, I did I did mention it to them and they were kind enough to, to change it for me with the merchandising you've got to remember that they gave us a very small percentage of that we were even our salaries on the gladiators was very very small people thought we were making a fortune it was 500 a show it was not a lot of money where we made the money our diet was on personal appearances doing stuff off off of Gladiators was where we made the money, pantomimes, yeah. because the actual show paid peanuts. The show gave me the exposure and the money. But even then, the money you earn off the show, they were yeah. taking 20% of that. They didn't yeah. off the pantomime, which thank God, and they didn't off, like, I, I did a lot of commercials off of the Gladiators, which I didn't, it was me, but I wasn't in my costume. So they couldn't say anything. If I was in costume, then I'd have had to pay them. I mean, this, this is probably a question for both of you, actually. Was there any sort of controversy or rivalry in, in the Gladiators team about the fact that you two were the ones that appeared on most merchandise more, more than any of the others? It didn't make any difference because we didn't get paid any more than the others for it. You know, so it didn't matter if I sold a thousand T-shirts. We were just paid to do the T-shirt, not yeah. how many they sold. There was obviously the the cardboard cutouts of you two, which was um, which I think from from I remember produ- producer Ball saying to me once that he wasn't actually able to own them because it was twenty four pounds in nineteen ninety two for a, a piece of cardboard. But you also had the pasta shapes, the air fresheners. There was quite a bit of random. <laughs> I remember when I did pantomime that. I was selling T-shirts with my picture on it and it just said wild thing with my face. Bill Hettersley, who was running all the stuff, pulled me up and said, you can't sell T-shirts. 
And I said, does it say glad ears? He said, no. I said, do you own my face? He said, no. I said, then I can sell T-shirts. And I would sell, after every show, I'd go out and sign and sell T-shirts. And I sold hundreds of them at every single panto. And I made a lot of money from T-shirts, but saying wild thing. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you got to think about it. They don't own your face. They own gladiators. They own the name Wolf, but they don't own your face. I was listening to another podcast, Quickly Kevin, and they made reference to the fact that you'd featured for Gilling FC's uh, reserve side against Cambridge United, and you'd played 70-odd 70, 70 minutes for it. And their attendance had gone up by tenfold because you turned up to, to play against for them. Was that all true? Yes, because when I was a schoolboy, I was very, very poor. And I say poor, meaning the word poor. I mean, I couldn't afford a school dinner. I had to get through the welfare. I couldn't afford a school uniform. I had to get through the welfare. And they had this system where, which is pretty embarrassing, where all the kids who couldn't afford a school dinner, when you go up to pay, you, they had a box there and you throw your little chit, you get five chits a week for five meals and you throw your chit in there and other kids would make fun and say, ha, ah, you can't afford a school dinner. So you'd smack them in the mouth and then you'd end up getting in trouble. And that's how I used to fight all the time because of the fact that we were so poor and people would take, make fun of you, you know? I remember football boots that other kids would turn up at school saying, oh, look at my fantastic new boots. And I'd get mine from a jumbo cell and I'd have to put newspapers in because they didn't fit and gaffer tape and play football in there. And even then, but anyway, I made it to Crystal Palace as a schoolboy footballer. I wasn't really into football, but I did it for the money because they'd pay us as a schoolboy to turn up each game. And because I never had any money, I thought it was great. And I'd turn up just to get the money for the game, you know. And when Gillingham found out that I was at Crystal Palace, I don't know how they found out as a schoolboy, they approached me and said, would you like to come down and trial for us as a footballer? And I wasn't that good. And I went down there, played with them, and I played that one game for them in the reserves. A lot of the reserve team were players from the first team who were coming back from injuries. So they were pretty good. It was a good standard. I pulled a hammy or something. I pulled a muscle after about 70 minutes. But the attendance they got was like they'd have a, more than they'd have a game, you know. So I think when they asked me, did I want to play for them? It was more about attendance than really me being a good footballer. Because they knew if I played for them regularly, they'd make more money at the gate, which I was quite chuffed at, really. You know? But there was one line in there that I did wonder. Apparently, you broke the leg of an opposition player. That's a bit. That never happened. All the players were all, all good to each other. There was nothing there. And the other thing I wanted to ask, because I just can't imagine you doing it. It's come up on the podcast a couple of times. I think Hunter mentioned it during his chat, because he was reading off all the different things that you, you, you did from, you know, football player, which you mentioned, kickboxer, MMA fighter, rollerblader, the whole thing. And he said, and did you know that Wolf can also play table tennis? Yeah, I was yeah, I was a champion when I was a junior, yeah. I made the England B squad, didn't make the A team. And I noticed I, I think producer Paul dug out this little nugget as well that you, you won Family Entertainer of the Decade Award in nineteen ninety nine. I mean that must have been pretty encompassing of everything that you achieved on Gladiators to have it recognised that you were probably the biggest family entertainer of that decade. Oh, it was it was absolutely amazing. They were all the stars were there. And I was sitting at a table with four people who were far bigger than I was. I was like, wow, you know, it was all top actors and musicians. And when I won the award and they were all clapping, saying, well done, Wolf. I was like, wow, these, these people like know who I am. They were far bigger stars than I was, you know, and it was, it was really nice. And I went up there and I just said how chuffed I was, you know. But I remember, I'll tell you another funny story because some of these things I found funny. I went to a celebrity thing at London Weekend Television with the other gladiators. Afterwards, they had like a, a drinks and food for everybody. And my wife was saying to me, oh, there's so-and-so. Go get the autograph for my mum. She loves him. I said, I can't do that. 
it's embarrassing. She went, no, no, go, go ask him. I was going, no. And then before I could do that, they'd come over to me and say, my kids love you. Can I have your autograph? I say, her mum loves you. Can I have your autograph? And then you find out. They're just the same as you are. They feel embarrassed to come and ask you and you feel embarrassed to go and ask them. They got kids that love you and you got family members that love them. So once you get talking to them, they're just the same as you are. Everyone's just the same. Take away the fame, they're just regular guys. And I thought that was really nice. Probably last two questions from us then. So I think the first thing we want to know is if we had a time machine and we could go all the way back to to the early 1990s and you could do it all again, would you and would you do anything differently? I don't think I would have taken part in one of the Wembley shows. I did it because I just lost my mum. I didn't want to take part. My heart wasn't in it and my mind was somewhere else when I did it. Yeah, I was hurting. I was hurting big time because my mum was the closest thing to me in the whole world. I did it because I was a professional athlete and I didn't want to let the people down. But if I could have time again, I wouldn't have done it. That was terrible for me. The worst time of my whole life, losing my mum. Nothing nothing hurts more in life than that. It is incredible, Mike. And I know, I know, I remember seeing you quite a bit during that period of time in your life. The ultimate professional, you you know, you that bedrock of, of the real, real life happening and its impact on you. But as soon as somebody would walk up to you, Wolfman, Wolfman, please, you just would switch on that persona be fully present for that person despite that pain underneath and for me that's that is a true pro would you come and speak to us again absolutely not a problem it's been a pleasure and honestly you're a true professional i learned a lot from you and all you guys were so good i had to get my level up to the next level just to get noticed because everyone was so good seriously it, it was it was harder for me coming into that show at 40 years old with all you young professionals to bring, raise my level up otherwise i wouldn't have got noticed you made the show you were one of the absolute features the, the fixture and feature of the show you made it here we go this is the end eight years I've been coming to this arena eight years I've been trying my best and now it's all over well I've enjoyed it it's been a great time and I'd like to say goodbye to all my fans one final question from me then should gladiators return oh god i'd love to do it now you're saying you'd love to do it if you can and what about if they couldn't if they decided not to do it with you would you have a role no what i do now is i do 45 minutes of workout with the weights and i do 45 minutes of mma training and i push myself very hard now i jump leap swim i mean i'm sorry i do everything i'm so uh, the fitness is as important to me as the weights the skipping the sparring the, the leaping about i've got these lights where i don't know when they're going to go off and i said put quite far apart and they go off randomly they don't go off unless you touch them and I'm jumping about everywhere trying to do that and it just keeps the mobility and the agility there you know I'm 68 years old but I don't want to lose that agility if I did come back and they wouldn't have me as a gladiator I'd love to be the compare I'd love to be the presenter because I think I could be better than a normal presenter because I've taken part in the actual show. When I say to him, how do you find that game? Was this X, Y, and Z tough? I know how it was like because I've done it. Well, I'd be wanting to pull up a seat if not be part of it too, Mike. It's been an absolute pleasure. Let's do it again soon. Okay, guys, thank you so much. Uh, I hope I didn't go on too much and I hope I didn't tell you too many stories. There we go. The Hunt for Wolf is over it's taken us two series but kudos producer paul such a great interview loved it so many stories and just he still got the passion like he'd still be a gladiator today 
if he if he could yeah i was just blown away with it i i kind of feel a bit sad now because like the hunt you know i've been building up this whole time for this hunt for wool and i know di you've been looking forward to having the chat with him as well haven't you i have i really have do you know what it felt like coming home i don't know whether i've ever really felt the gladiator arena was my home but so many of my dreams were achieved and fulfilled there and he it is like a something that creates the shape and the very form of a big part of your life it is the arena itself it is Nigel it's all the other gladi- gladiators and the original team but in particular Mike Van White with as being Wolf because he we, we had lots of really lovely chats and you got, I think you got the sense of his warmth and how he's kind of laid back on the outside but if deep inside he'd be back in there like a shot as you said and it, there's a part of me feels like I've just gone home by spending some time with him again I loved how he obviously enjoyed being Wolf so much and you guys listening to this glad pod wouldn't have been able to see but he had in the corner of his room a glass cabinet of his gladiators memorabilia and just to see that on display proudly showing his family and his kids who they wouldn't have really seen him as as Wolf but to just see that it was still to this present day that he's so proud of of creating Wolf and and being him because one thing that came across for me that even though kind of being Wolf was a little bit panto at times with his interactions with the crowd and G-Force and and the contenders it was still really authentic too and I, I don't think that anybody could have played a part that he did and, and still be so genuine and it was still so different to like all of the, the like WWF wrestlers and stuff at that time Wolf was different to all of the other gladiators but he wasn't trying to be a wrestler kind of style character within the gladiators world he was Wolf and there wasn't anybody else like him and I don't think there'll be anybody like him again I don't think anybody could do it as, as good as him I agree I think there'd be contrition in a sense of all oh, that's so contrived he was the original absolutely and I don't think there's going to be I don't think anyone would be able to have followed him and it'd be interesting to see if his impact from from his time at Gladiators whether it would have been as iconic as it perhaps is like perhaps yours is Di even though you weren't there for the for the duration if he had left the series early what do you think Paul do you think the fact that he was there for so long kind of sealed his legendary status or do you think he kind of already gained that in the first few series I think he I think he gained that in series one to be honest I think as soon as he stepped foot in that arena and and his character came out and like you say not only was it his character he was a capable gladiator and even though he was the oldest of the bunch which is crazy because now I'm an age of of what he would have been when he was joining Gladiators, which is just crazy to think because it doesn't feel old at all. Whereas he was always spoken about as being like the oldest Gladiator, but he was very capable as well. And the fact that he did from show one to the final show and competed against people who were a lot younger than him, I think shows what a true athlete and a legend, like you say, with the character that he'd created and, and all of the awards that he'd won as entertainer of the year and, and and just the legend status I think if you stopped anybody in the street now and said name a gladiator it might be Jet but it'd probably be 
wolf to be honest i think and die for you what i loved about this chat was that normally it's very q a so it's almost like you know we're us three asking the questions to that person but wolf was asking questions back to you die and testing your memory as well which i thought was brilliant there was definitely such a great connection between you two why well, thank you uh, yeah it was such a joy to literally reconnect with him there was so much that we can share and still will share no doubt so definitely we've got to have him back to unpick it a whole amount more you know what you see is is what you get with him he projected the big bad wolf and was even thinking of his theme tune just then and you know we we needed a big bad wolf on on the show and it was panto brought to life in a really new and different medium on the show of gladiators and i don't think anyone could have done it better well that's the end of series two uh, what a way to end this series we finally tracked down hunted and then spoke to wolf thank you to producer paul for arranging all of these incredible interviews and as well for digging out all of those incredible clips that we're able to slot in during the chats because they really do lift each and every episode and it's great sometimes to hear the gladiators or the contenders or whoever talk about a certain moment and then find that moment because nine times out of ten as well i find that the memory's spot on in terms of what we're said and when and stuff but it's, it's nice to hear it that that throwback as well and and die Thanks to you for um, co-hosting again. And for me, I mean, you really are the podcast in terms of bringing a, a new dimension to what we can get out from our guests because you've got the, the sort of two-prong attack here of having the memories of being with them and knowing them, but also what you're doing now, you you are inquisitive by nature. So therefore, we do tend to get a, a lot more out of our guests, I think, than perhaps if it was just Paul and I. But as we're now fully in the swing of the countdown to the 30th year anniversary. Can't believe I'm saying this. We are hopeful and we are looking forward to recording series three. So please do let us know who you would like to hear from in our next series. Producer Paul and I have got some ideas about maybe some special episodes that we could do. But Di and Paul, I'll come to you first, Di. Who would you like to hear from in the next series of The Glad Pod? Two immediately spring to mind. Sorry to be greedy. Of course, my lovely friend Kate Zodiac. When she's ready, of course, uh, but I still share a lovely friendship with this gorgeous lady who's doing a lot for fitness still with kids and teenagers in schools across the country. But also, I'd love us to talk to Kenny Warwick, the producer. Just like the giant that Nigel was and is to the show, Kenny was always there in the background with a lovely smile, but fierce inside with what he wanted as the producer of the show to bring into everybody's living rooms and lives. And for me, well, I've got a list of obviously guests that I would love to have, but I think at the top of that list now is lightning. I think we need the queen of gladiators on here. So I would urge all of the fans to, to reach out to lightning and, and try and get her to come on the glad pod and, and relive all of her memories. And then from a personal point of view, I would love Falcon as well. Cause I think she was such an underrated gladiator who is such loved in the, in the gladiators community and she is just a lovely genuine person i know that we've tried to make that happen in the past and it hasn't come off yet so falcon is one for me and then 
I love to chat to the the makers behind the show as well. So somebody like I say, like Stephen Adnit on the costumes was was a great one for me this series. I think next series I would love to have Muff Murphin, who created the Gladiators music and the incidental music for all of the events. I think he will have some incredible stories and could hopefully even perhaps share some of the music from his archives if he if he's got that ready. So Muff Murphin would be on my list as well, amongst lots and lots of others, but those are my top three. What is mind blowing with that is that you two have just listed people that I didn't have I, I yes had lightning on my list you know Kenny Warwick yes but the top of my list was John Anderson and Fash I mean none of us said the same people the more you think about it I mean they're the obvious ones I mean for me that's so obvious I didn't even mention them but thinking that we've already bagged them but of course we haven't guys we've got our work cut out for series 3 also there are some mega mega glad fans there's a guy called Tony Foxon who's done a, a huge amount of support for the show from the moment I started and I'd like to be able to pick the brains of people like him he knows every detail about Stephen Adnett's work and you know what it was like growing up watching the show like yourself Paul and, and the memories they still have so maybe we do something around getting you guys who are listening in collectively maybe on on a, a few of our recordings and, and just do some glad fan spots totally and I think as well like you say just springing off my mind we've got all of the G-Force people we've got international gladiators like the list and contenders as well the list is endless and I think that's what makes the glad pod so exciting because just when you think you've got all of the, the main gladiators covered off there's a whole host of other even such as Fox who she was with the show at the later series but she was actually a contender in the Wembley uh, live shows so she has such a journey and I would love to like kind of get in there and, and figure that one out as well so yeah the list is endless I think it's just about making it happen and yeah I think series three we've got plenty of people to talk to so those are the people that we want to hear from in the next series of the Gladpod but what about you what have been your highlights of series two what have been some of your favourite moments and yeah let us know who you'd like to hear from and we'll see if producer Paul can work his magic gladpod at gladiatorstv.com is the email address you need and don't forget to keep commenting and liking and sharing all of our posts on instagram twitter and our facebook page good competition good spirit great sportsmanship as both contenders show mutual respect Join us again next week for the ultimate challenge, the might of...